talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2022 we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal classic, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's episode is entitled Freedonia, which is irrelevant outside of like a tiny little anecdote that Matt Santos relays at the end. Yeah, uh, which is basically the same thing about like the uh, poll about uh, would you bomb Agrabah? And like forty percent of people said yes, even though Agrabah is, of course, the fictional kingdom from Aladdin, which is basically what the Fredonia thing is as well. And ultimately, the the anecdote that he tells at the end of the episode, and we'll get to this, but is is essentially it wraps up the in a quaint little bow the idea that media savvy debates, TV ads, all of this shit is essentially irrelevant, <laughs> like versus substance and issues and policies and you know candidates wanting to make a change and -hmm. yet somehow we spend 40 minutes of this episode talking about irrelevant bullshit yep because this episode is all about debates and advertising and media buys the the process it's basically one giant process story but not like the episode entitled process stories where we talk about that this is just (laughs) a process story where we get to see the process of how do candidates you know negotiate debate terms how do candidates handle their advertising and on the one hand this is perfectly fine as a topic for the west wing to explore it's just the way in which they explore it is so bad and dumb and shitty and that's what we're gonna unpack here yeah i think um at a high level what they they would like to explore it and okay fine i'll give you that but then they come out and they do the most west wing thing with it possible is that they spend all this time and all these words and all these character interactions on validating something that they ultimately the point that they want to drive home is that it's dumb so yeah, none of it matters ultimately. so <laughs> yeah. you 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 dedicate so much effort and screen time to a thing that at the end of the episode your point is this is dumb but your that, audience none of just it mattered yeah like your audience just sat through those 40 minutes right. of you emphasizing and talking through and going into right deadly detail about like yeah they put real stakes on this like we're you know if if santos doesn't nail this ad thing that's like the climax of two-thirds through the episode we're meant to understood he's dead in the water like there there's real stakes attached to all this shit and then at the end of it they go uh but this is all dumb shit anyway <laughs> Yeah, so ultimately, I mean, much like the entire rest of this show, it's very ideologically confused. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's yeah. let's just kind of start from the beginning and talk through how we get to that point. Um, right, so really, yeah, go they ahead. start off with, uh, there's a big debate coming up in New Hampshire. They're still in New Hampshire at this point. New Hampshire primary is five days out. The final debate is two days away as we open the episode. And the Hoynes and Russell campaigns have tried to do a thing, or I don't know if they they initiated this or the newspaper did, but either way, they're throwing out every candidate who doesn't pull above 20%, which basically means everyone except Russell and Hoynes. <laughs> yeah, because, surprise, in a, like, six-candidate field, chances are 
like yeah nobody's Your bottom going to no get... hopers are yeah. not making it <laughs> yeah this is basically the republican kids debate thing uh from the 2016 republican primary oh my god that like, was the, so the, much the, fun the kids table debate where the, all the fucking also rants my favorite part of the also rants the guys who had no fucking chance is whenever they would answer a question with well when i'm president i will and i'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah. When, when buddy <laughs> sure thing Dude, like, I can't even remember who the kids' table included at that point. It was almost certainly, like, Rand it's Like, Paul. Santorum. Yeah, Rick Santorum. Like, yeah, the, you know, the people who are never gonna fucking be president. And it just, <laughs> it made me laugh so hard every time they start a statement with, when I am president. Um... So yeah, they're they're worried about this getting thrown out of the debate, the Santos campaign, because obviously there are protagonists, and thus they have a real shot, even though everyone inside the system is treating them as this like outside, you know, w- long shot crank campaign. Oh yeah, like they're out in the wilderness, like it's a Siberian campaign. Right, like no, completely no chance. Ignore the fact that Josh Lyman, who is super famous in this universe, is running the campaign, and that shit alone. Like, show that they're not a no-hoper. But anyway, in the logic of the show, the uh, both Hoynes and Russell are treating Santos like a no-hoper. And so Santos tries to... The Santos campaign, I should say. Because Santos himself doesn't really push back give, too hard yeah, on this. he doesn't this. really give a shit too much. Because he's like, he's like, I don't want to, like, sue them about it and, like, have to go to court and look like a, like, litigious pussy and, like, kind of thing. And and Josh is like, no, we gotta, like, sue and get in on the debate and, look, there's, like, articles and we'll write an op-ed saying that they're corrupt and blah, blah, blah. And, and Sansa's like, this is stupid. Uh, kind of throughout the whole thing. Although he decides to go and do a secondary debate like on his own money. So yeah, with with the other candidates, and and he uh, he he's all hung up on format. Santos is like, I, I, who gives a fuck about the fact that they're gonna have a debate without me? What I care about is in the d- stupid like uh, publicity stunt debate I'm running. I want it to be a quote unquote real debate. Yeah. Uh, so not not a sixty second soundbite followed by a thirty second response. Blah blah blah. Yeah, so the old, the first solution, quote-unquote, that they come up with is to have him host a kids' table debate, basically. It is it is exactly like the kiddie table debate with the RNC, except it's divorced from whatever the authority that is vested. It's like a, it's like a TV station has newspaper. the rights, or a newspaper, yes, has the rights yeah, to hold like this. Yeah, it's like the local Herald. Yeah, has this big debate, and so... Santos is just like, well, fuck that. We'll just sanction our own debate and get everybody who isn't included. So, like, that's solution number one. But everybody starts getting mad about that because it's just like, well, you're essentially just capitulating and then also nobody's going to pay attention. Right. Literally no one would watch the <laughs> the yeah. runner-up debate just like happened in real life. The, um, the other... Th- yeah, and so that's the first solution and everyone kind of hates that. So then the next solution, like, Josh is like, okay, let's sue, and let's, you know, let's kick up a fuss, and let's call the media and be like, this is undemocratic, and whatever. And, like, that doesn't really go anywhere. They get, like, two op-eds written about them. The press, you know, is a little in their field, but it's not actually moving anything. Yeah. Uh, What actually gets Bingo Bob to sit down with them? I forget. I I legitimately think they just... They just take him and go to the news, the Herald paper, guy, yeah. the Herald guy, and say, "I mean, hey, I would. I think Bingo Bob literally says, why don't we just include 
everyone. Everyone. Right. right. And then they go back he and makes forth. some sort of crack about like, well, Fidel Castro would like how you're running this debate, Mr. Harold guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but because only in cu- communist Cuba do they put the top two candidates on the stage. Well, and and then that it just apparently it just doesn't work. And I don't I don't recall why. What doesn't work? Like they don't put them all together on one debate. Oh, I think well, I think they end up I forget what I actually forget the resolution yeah, of the episode no, see, here's, because here's the thing. Legit, this episode legit, is really dumb. They just kind of come out at the end and go, none of this matters. And also, yeah, it's a boring episode too because we're dealing with all this process BS and like fighting about the format. And Matt Santos, and this is such a West Wing thing, and I put this in the notes, and like the the obsession with like, oh no, but a real debate and like real discourse. And and Bartlett did this too a few seasons ago, and. It's just infuriating where, like, they think it's the fucking panacea to all of society's ills is like, no, 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 a political debate that will fix everything. Yeah. And it's it's nowadays it's enshrined in the the fucking debate me pro movement on Twitter, where there is still a remnant of people who seem to believe that if they're just given the correct set of circumstances to confront their ideological opponents with facts and logic it will be their message will be the one that's taken up by the masses by the and, marketplace of ideas exactly. yes exactly they will dominate the marketplace of ideas but mm-hmm. it's just it's never been how it fucking right works. and first first off even if you did somehow dominate the marketplace of ideas it doesn't lead to anything material without action you know a debate yeah. has no <laughs> action behind it whatsoever like nothing there is like it is literally just like trying to impress you so that you vote for a candidate, which is basically an ad, which gets us right into our other topic, which is political attack ads, which is also what this episode deals with. Yeah, so the problem with the debate is compounded by the fact that A, it's gated by polling, and B, these campaigns, and especially, you know, Josh, seems to think that running an ad will increase their polling. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and like literally one ad because that's all they they only all have they can money afford. They for they only one, have the one, and for halfway one minute. Th- halfway through they they end up like the catalyst for this is that apparently there's like a big old blitz that both Russell and Hoynes Correct. have purchased in the in the Boston area market, which includes New mm-hmm. Hampshire. Um, mm-hmm. Like oh my gosh, it's you know eight they use 18, the phrase eighteen hundred points. Yeah, eighteen hundred points, which I don't just fucking know what that in means. The fucking airwaves. And, yeah, and like. Ironically, no, nothing gets talked about, like, sort of the saturation effect of if you just overburden the airwaves, at a certain point you hit extremely diminishing returns. Yeah, and... If you have zero ads, that's bad. If you have a million ads, you're wasting, like, 800,000 of your ads, you know? And also, again, we're talking about a debate that's two days away. Running a media blitz... You won't be able to poll, which is oh, the, the pr- gatekeeper. And the primary is five days away. <laughs> yeah, You won't be able to, like, I mean, really, if you're concerned about getting into the debate, which, which again, I want to emphasize that the concern, the, the, like, majority of the episode is spent not on whether necessarily Matt Santos can win the, the primary. primary. Yeah, it's the spent primary on, is not mentioned hardly at all. It's spent on... How the fuck do we get him into this debate? And there's this phrase where Josh says, like, 
we're the rules followers or whatever. Like we play by rules. We don't write them. And it's <laughs> like, uh, okay, I guess, but like West, Westwing.txt kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, to get his back on track, basically there's, there's a big ad buy and Josh has this idea to do some traditional, you know, bullshit ad manipulation the chicken ad the the fucking chicken let's talk about the chicken ad for a moment so he they're like okay we only got one minute so we're gonna do something like really big and out there and like extreme and honest and like real and raw is like the pitch to santos and santos is like yeah man that sounds great i'm on board rules (laughs) i'm all about like fucking being raw that's like what that's my whole thing dog and and so him and josh are like simpatico or it's so it's seems and then josh is like all right all right i've got the vhs here just came back hot from the from the fucking dnc think tank that cooks these things up let's put it in the the vhs player which is of course a great little time capsule yep moment right there roll the card in with the with the vhs player (laughs) like they have dvds but i do see why like santos campaign would actually have a vhs at this point in time uh, because they're low budget. So yeah, they, he plops in the, the tape that like the, his cheap think tank has cooked up. And it's just the most like cheapest. Like if you saw this in a county sheriff race, you would be like, uh, I think I could spend a little bit more money and make this a little bit better. Cause like, it's just like stock footage of chickens and then like bingo a shot of bingo Bob and, and John Hoynes saying like, are they too chicken to debate? So this is this is the metaphor that Josh wants to run with is that uh-huh cuz he's the got other a whole plan. Are chicken. <laughs> mhm. This this is just like Hillary's Donald Duck like ducks taxes thing. Oh my uh, god. And because because it doesn't stay on the level of television ad, he gets two campaign volunteers to put on giant oversized mascot chicken costumes. And one wears a shirt that says Chicken Bob, and one wears a shirt that says Chicken John. And they're supposed to go to the Bingo Bob and John Hoynes campaign rallies and be like, why are you two chicken to debate the whole field? So then they we do it. get a That's scene. That's the brilliant strategy. We, we get a scene of this in action at a local hockey match where um donna is like you know taking the vp around or whatever and they're at a hockey game and the chicken guy comes up and he asks him oh are you two chicken debate and donna pulls out her fucking manager voice and like <laughs> like drags this guy off by his ear and, and interrogates him and yells at him yeah which ends up being on camera with all the local media people of her like just yeah. dressing this poor intern down yeah. For dressing in a suit and doing what he's told by his and employer. For doing, yeah, for doing what his boss told him to do, exactly. And, of course, Donna would know better, and the show even pokes fun at this, where CJ calls Josh and is like, didn't you tell Donna to never engage honestly with a chicken or a man in a chicken suit? And and they just sort of make fun of Donna for, like, stepping into this obvious landmine that y- you would think she would be smart enough to be like, okay, just get out of here and not, like, go on this rant in front of the press. Yeah. If if you're confused and we feel like we're all over the place <laughs> here at this point in this podcast, yeah. you're totally correct because, like, this episode is just scatterbrained and all over the place. And, again, it vests a lot of importance in things that ultimately we are told by itself do not matter. 
So uh, that's as a gr- that's a great point. Let's stop right there because I want to take that point and pick it right back up in our next segment. Okay. Welcome back. So to segue off what Stu was saying is this unstructured episode where we are told ultimately nothing matters. Uh, Amy shows up. Amy yeah. Gardner appears. M- much and, like uh, uh, like one-off contracts of television stars. Doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. <laughs> Literally shows up. Doesn't matter because all the advice she gives is ultimately meaningless, uh, as discussed at the end of the episode. But before that, so... She's kind of set up beforehand where uh, he, Santa's is like, I need to go do more debate prep, Josh. And Josh is like, okay, do you, you want me to help? And he's like, no, I got someone from DC. And Josh is like, oh, cool. Who'd you get? It's like, oh, don't worry about it. Which, like, as soon as he says that, I'm like, oh, it's Amy. <laughs> like, why, why is he being coy about it unless it's Amy? Uh, and it, it would fuck Josh up a little bit. And so it does fuck Josh up just a little bit, like, to be fair. He is pretty over her at this point. But uh, she shows up to do debate prep and specifically to share a memo with him about, quote-unquote, the presidential voice, which is, from my understanding of the way Amy presents it, sort of just overall debate presence-slash-rhetoric. As in, don't get, like, too into the weeds on anything. You need to stay into, like, broad, sweeping, emotional statements. The kind of shit that, you know, the pop, you know, the idiots love to hear, basically. Like, you need to just say, America is great because we are great together. Yeah, and it, it's... Like, that's the presidential voice, according to Amy. It's it's very, uh, like, Obama platitudinous, and also, like, it... It also wraps up a little bit of, like, the Ro- Carl Rovian thing, or was it Dick Cheney? I can't remember who said it, but it's, like, the thing where it's, like, we don't engage with realities, we create right. realities. we create it. Yeah, that's Rove. Yeah. And, yeah, it is, yeah, it's a bit of that, where she's basically saying, like, if you use the presidential voice the right way, you will become president. When, of course, the actual lesson that the episode finally gives us at the final, like, minute when uh, Santos and his male staffer are talking and the male staffer's like, I always thought it was the president who creates the voice and not the other, the other way, way around. around. Yeah. Which is, of course, the correct answer. And, you know, Santos has like a big, like, kind of come to Jesus realization moment of like, oh, yeah. And but it just makes everything that Amy did in this episode completely irrelevant. So the other thing that kind of makes Amy irrelevant in this context is that she's selling her services to all the candidates. In mm-hmm. she shared the same memo. She shared the everyone. same memo with everybody. So for the <laughs> yeah, Josh freaks out because for some reason he feels he's entitled to her exclusively. Yeah, which is I, I guess that's part of Josh's like sexual hangups or something. Yes, definitely <laughs> part of the whole ex girlfriend thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just. And, and Amy yeah, describes it as... he gets so <clears throat> angry about it. 
like really upset and, and he's like we shouldn't be like like knifing each other or sabotaging yeah. each other and i'm like it's a primary <laughs> but, but but also like and yeah it's it's just hilarious he's just like well why are you doing this like to both of us or she's like well i'm doing it to everybody so technically nobody is knifing each other because right. we want the party to be stronger however it's also like well, of course you're going to get upset because now, and this is the whole thing that, I mean, since episodes and episodes ago where like people who stay behind in the White House get pissy that Josh is going to take on the next campaign where it's like with the primary system, yeah, you guys are no longer working together. You are against right. one another. Right. In the primary. Like so, explicitly. <laughs> yes. Like what is, what's, what's the hang up here? Right. I, I get it. He's upset that other campaigns got the information that he would have preferred to keep exclusive to his own campaign, but he's, I don't know, I guess his level of, of senitude is just because Amy baggage. Well, and ultimately Amy is also wrong because she's just like, well, we need the yeah. party to come out of this well. And it's like, I promise that nobody who will be voting in the general gives a single gives a fuck. Shit about what you are currently doing, especially between candidates. People might have a preference in the primary or know a name or do whatever, but none of the messaging that you are encouraging or, or fostering among the primary candidates will be passed on into the general. At least it should not be, which part of this is the, the show, obviously, again, kind of in its fucking bog standard liberal thing brings up national security as being a women's issue. Yeah. Now it is in great and for, for whatever reason, I think, and you were looking at this earlier where it's like somebody's selling nuclear secrets in like the way Pakistan back. Is, yeah. Pakistan is supposedly thinking about selling nuclear secrets to Nigeria. That's the quote unquote <laughs> foreign policy concern that a few of the candidates babble about in the sidelines of the episode. And so this ties loosely into Amy being here to prep the candidates and coach them maybe on this mm -hmm. particular because issue. she's good with women's groups. Right. And I just, who, who fucking cares? National security technically isn't, I mean, look, to me. It's a women's issue in that women are 51% of the country, exactly. yes. But, like, exactly. it's not a women's issue. And, like, I... Just the, it's so incoherent. I'm struggling to describe how I feel about it because just like, well, what the fuck do you, I don't like go through my daily life worried about uh, like nuclear secrets being exchanged between two sovereign nations three quarters of the way around the globe. I'm not going to vote for a president based on his policy towards Nigerian proliferation. What Look, constituency do you appeal to? Look, there. climate change, that's a men's issue. And gun rights, that's a non-binary issue. And <laughs> we'll just, like, keep doing, going down the list, you know? And we'll assign... We'll assign gender to identities issue. to each issue. <laughs> and then there you go. Then it will all be settled. <laughs> and, we can, and we can have our clear divisions that we love so much. Yeah, so, yeah, the national security stuff is such an afterthought that we're not even going to dig into the particulars of it. But it's basically just their... So all the candidates can be like, oh, I care about foreign policy and national security and blah, blah, blah well, kind of thing. Ultimately, Amy's indictment of the party at large is that people see the Democrats as, quote, a bunch of think tank hair twirlers, which is completely accurate. But 
not for not because they don't talk about Pakistan selling new what the fuck are you talking about right it's because they don't actually take action and all they do is sit around and talk about bullshit <laughs> yeah. which is exactly what you're proposing except you're saying that we, let's talk about the bullshit with the quote unquote presidential voice yes exactly let's put a veneer of respectability over this because maybe people will respond to that because they don't mm -hmm. have anything else to respond to mm -hmm. and that's our vote getting strategy <laughs> yeah. that will certainly we're sway not, the electorate we're certainly not going to address material conditions or pass legislation or anything oh. like that so let's we got to get in the fucking weeds about the voice here because that's all we have control over is how they talk well, and I mean, ultimately, this is 2005, I think, by this time, like mm -hmm. we're about we're about to enter the most presidential voice campaign that's era since fucking yeah. since frankly, since JFK, like it is. Yeah, it is the most aesthetics as yeah. substance campaign in the Obama campaign, because ultimately his aesthetic won him an, a, a landslide in the popular vote and mm -hmm. His substance was the complete opposite of camp. We talk about campaign mm -hmm. Obama versus president Obama. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's basically what Amy's trying to set Santos up to be like, I here, I'm going to give you all the tools to be the best candidate Santos. You can be, and who gives a fuck about president <laughs> yeah, Santos? Who, who cares? We can worry about that once you get elected. <laughs> mm hmm. Exactly. So, so I will, let's bring it back to the ad. Yeah. So he, so they go to the TV station. So they splash out for one minute of prime time airtime, which is it, an interesting strategy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so after seeing the shitty chicken ad that Josh and the DNC think tank cooked up, uh, Santa's like, no, fuck this. We're doing it live. Goes full, goes full Bill Maher. Or not Bill Maher. Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> goes full Bill O'Reilly. Goes, fuck it. We'll do it live. Storms down to the station and... Uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's a so they show the tracking shot of him walking through all the behind the scenes people, and they're just doing their jobs when he's walking through the first time. He, he's they're just kind of you know, and they don't peep their head up or whatever. Who cares? It's just a guy. And then he goes on, and he does his little one minute ad. Do you want to put the clip in? Good evening. I'm running for president, and if you don't know who I am, I wouldn't be surprised. I've been shut out of tomorrow night's debate for suggesting that it actually be a debate, and this is the only ad I can afford. I got in this to improve a broken school system, to fix entitlements because they're going bankrupt, to expand health coverage because it'll save money if fewer people show up in emergency rooms. What I've found is that presidential campaigns aren't about these things. They're about clawing your opponent's eyes out so long as you don't get tagged for it. So how about this? I will never say anything about my opponents or anything about anything without saying it myself, right into the camera. You might not get to hear much of me, but when you do, you'll know I stand by it. I'm Matt Santos, and you better believe I approve this ad. Yes. And <laughs> so... And it's like, oh, wow, you know, super powerful, damn, mic drop kind of thing. And then 
And as he walks out, I was actually expecting like, and then they all clapped kind of moment. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it is the closest you can get to that without them clapping. They're all just kind of, everyone, all the crew are like standing reverently and like they just watch him go by and they're all like actively watching him and no one claps. There's but no it's slow the closest clap. You like, can get. yeah. 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 Like, all you needed is one guy to start a slow clap, and it turns right into that. <laughs> well, so, this is this is a piggyback onto when earlier in the episode, Matt Santos is, he claims, like, one of his pedigree, like, qualifications <laughs> is that he himself helped champion this bill that was eventually enacted into law that was, and again, I think I remember this happening in the real world, where it was mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. there must be a disclaimer at the end of all television ads that... You are the candidate, and you approve approve this message. Right. Because he thought thought by making politicians do that, it would thus keep them more honest and cut down on inaccurate negative attack ads. Well, so I'm going to put another (laughs) clip in here. Like, in his own words, this is how he describes it. Single mining loophole or giveaway he won't support. That's the new Hoinspa? Hoinspa approved it right into the camera. You know, I fought for that in Congress. We thought that if candidates had to look right into the camera and approve every ad, it would somehow raise the tone of these campaigns. It's not working very well. Candidates just approve the negative ones at the top, so by the time they twist the knife, you forgot who stuck it in. And it's just like, oh, um, okay. Or, like, you just get one soundbite of the dude saying that and just paste it in all the ads. Who cares? Right. Yeah, and if anything, it just helps because you get a shot of the candidate and the candidate's voice and, you know, it helps the voter put a, you know, face to a name kind of thing. Yeah. If anything, it just helps voters remember who the candidate is. It doesn't it doesn't increase accountability, and I don't know why he thought it would. It's just, it's insane. And and honestly, the the very concept of a political figure of this level having that sort of introspective personality and sense of shame is bonkers how, yeah. how on earth could you think somebody who has like, ascended to the halls of power in this country has any of those feelings right is yeah is gonna like come out and be like oh i actually feel really bad about this ad now that i have to say i approve it <laughs> Or, like, watching it in real time and, like, getting jazzed up to say, oh, I approve it. And then, like, as the ad plays out, just getting, like, sadder and sadder. (laughs) Be like, no, I'm sorry. I can't can't approve this ad. (laughs) Uh, I'm resigning tomorrow. Yeah. This this campaign is over. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's, like, dumber than a child's idea of what politics works. Uh, they, they kind of try to set up like Will and Donna as, I feel like they're trying to do like romantic tension, but it literally goes nowhere. Yeah. There's a couple moments of, you know, uh, Will and, Will and Donna, cause they're running the campaign together. He's just like, so mm-hmm. do you want to get dinner tonight? And she has, are you asking me to go out to dinner? He's like, no, we've had dinner together the last four nights. <laughs> like, do you just right. have dinner? <laughs> I'm just saying like, uh, we're going to have dinner. We're going to have dinner. Right? Do you want to do it together? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I guess this is because they're trying to still keep Josh and Donna ship teased or whatever, but it, it doesn't work because not only is there no chemistry and I feel like it's on purpose, yes. but it's, it's just clearly just two colleagues who like to have dinner together. And like, and they do have a kind of a nice callback at the end where they're like, uh, so dinner tonight? And and Donna's like, yeah, who else am I going to have dinner yeah, with? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, like, the most, literally, uh, 
Yeah. Who else can I talk to on my level? Like, if I don't want to talk to a fucking campaign volunteer. Yeah. Which there there is a and throughout all there's a these, bit of elitism there. Where like oh, oh only the higher ups can can you know commingle. Yeah, which actually, and let's talk about that a little bit, because it's actually throughout these episodes in this particular campaign, and if I'm not mistaken, in the season three campaign as well, there is a, it it is played up at least a little bit to be like, well, these weirdos are your local volunteers and stuff, like, I don't, Mm -hmm. you you can't have our mains interacting with them, like... Yeah, and remember the one flashback where they flashback to Bartlett's first campaign and our mains are the weirdo volunteers at that point? And, like, Toby has never won a campaign and they're breaking windows, throwing basketballs around and shit. And, like, you know, they were, at one point, the the plucky weirdos who who aren't going to go anywhere. And then now they're, now because they've been in the halls of power, they're the elite. Yeah, I think as we go through sort of, um, especially once we get into the general, I might want to, I might want to ask Emma to join us again because she's gone through this process a gazillion times. But the only, it it stood out to me because my experience again with doing like a deep volunteer run with Bernie in twenty twenty was this this phenomenon is very real and this actually got me thinking a lot about hierarchy generally because I am not really an anarchist i'm just sort of on the fence ish in that regard where it was just by virtue of these people having experience and titles there was a certain amount of deference to -hmm. them there was a sort of like a a a chinese wall involved in contacting them like you had to trip over Mm -hmm. to a certain level of importance and ultimately like one of my favorite memories is one of the organizers in fucking sioux city iowa his name is michael he's from kansas city but he was just like look guys the reason that we empower you to do all these things on your own is because we can't possibly have all of these interactions and answer all these questions so we're going to do our best to prepare you and set you up with the tools to do this yourselves but then yourself Mm -hmm. the flip side of that is you then have to go do it yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, like, you have to I, I get hold down. yourself accountable. Yeah, exactly. I, I can get down with that. So it's just an interesting phenomenon, I think, that that comes out of the campaign structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is interesting because they're organizations, but they're explicitly temporary organizations, mm-hmm. which is which is a rare thing. Most of our organizations, we like to at least pretend that they're going to be permanent. Yeah. For the most part. So... And it sort of works where a lot of campaign higher-ups end up becoming part of the actual White House should the candidate win. Yeah. Well, so that's that's another aspect of kind of the Batlin primaries system is that ultimately the campaign manager and like the organizing managers or whatever, whatever positions you have are vying for that administration job. And White House staff stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's really, it's almost a f- not a fight just between the two candidates, but between two entire, like, staff armies for who gets to occupy the White House. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't even, like, really thought that through until right now. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I think, and again, it's it's hinted at in West Wing, but because our mains are basically, they already occupy those higher echelons, the, the mm-hmm. drama isn't... Like, it, it doesn't evolve between them. It's right. just like, okay, you know, we know who the good guy is. Go forth. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Santos and Josh are our protagonists, and, and thus we are in their corner. But yeah, I think that mostly wraps up our thoughts on this episode. Any final comments? I think mainly the only thing is, so there's a comment about how the press loves an underdog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, maybe in sort 2005, of. sort of. There's a little truth to that where, like, remember every also ran got, like, their one day in the sun. Yeah. Whatever they did, like, <laughs> one thing that, like, the press found either cute or notable in some way. So, in a sense, yeah, the press gets enamored temporarily with an underdog, but I wouldn't say they love an underdog. And they, I would also- they, love the, they love the big guy. Well, and I would also say that it's just like the Twitter main character thing. It's that if something egregious happens, everybody gloms onto it for the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. But then there's Which is no... the whole point of the stunt ad in this exactly. episode. It is so that CNN and all the other stuff will have to talk about it and thus air the ad for free because they are discussing it. Which is exactly what happens. And yes, it's a big I, win for Santos. And it's the it's the thing that Amy says at the end of this episode that is absolutely correct. It is basically Josh, shut the fuck up and let this yeah. moment do its work for you. It is earned yes. media at its finest. Yeah, exactly. See, Josh doesn't know what to do with a great win and is immediately like, Oh no, we need to like go counter like Hoynes and, and, and do this and Amy literally ties him up. Um, (laughs) and makes him sit on the chair and just watch and is like, you fucking idiot. You sit here and you do nothing and you watch as nothing but good things happen for your candidate and you don't have to do a damn thing about it. And and ultimately, that is another sort of like non-hierarchical organizing strategy because if you do a thing with knowledge of these systems, you can reasonably assume that it will be amplified by people you have no connection to zero, whatsoever. Zero control over, and yeah, no connection to exactly. But they will, they will do their jobs in in the system. You know, the system is what it does, kind of thing. Yeah, so and, totally, it's like phenomenology for media, yeah. media landscapes. Exactly. Yeah, and, if you do something <laughs> shocking, it will spread if the media knows about it. Like that's it. That's it. That's the only rule. You don't have to get any more complicated than that. And I think my last point in in that realm is basically that um, I just want to say, like, imagine if uh, Jimmy Smits wasn't the handsomest man on television <laughs> and he cut this live one minute ad on TV. Like, imagine if he looked like Richard Nixon. Would this have got like a real fucking I wrote this out a face for radio type of motherfucker. Like, would this actually have helped? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, you know, it, because it's TV and because, you know, our presidents thus far have been Martin Sheen and, and Jimmy Smith's both very charismatic, handsome men. Um, it's it's a hard question. You know, would it work if John Goodman had done it as Glenn Allen walking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, with <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm having a hard time picturing that hitting as seriously. Yeah, so I think that's about that's a. About it. We can probably wrap up. I do want to note that this, like, it's not a Deus Ex Machina. He doesn't like pull it out of his ass. It's just sort of like a stunt thing. But there are direct parallels to when Bartlett walks to the Capitol Hill in season five. Yeah, to avert bit. the shutdown. In, in that he's doing it himself physically. Yes, know, it is. It is there. another like President Dad takes the reins right. type of moment. He's physically walking into the television studio. He's mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. himself. He didn't send someone, you know, he doesn't have a team advising him. He's just doing it from the heart and from the gut. And like, yeah, it's, it's very much like the, like that Bartlett solving the, uh, 
the government shutdown moment. And to kind of bring it all the way back to our original point is that that is also strictly an aesthetic. He doesn't say anything policy oriented about policy on TV. He doesn't make any guarantees or say why. Right. Other than say why I'm good for America or whatever. It's just like the ad itself is about ads and the discourse and the debate. And this whole episode is just style over substance. And that's what makes it a frustrating watch. Yeah, the last campaign episode had a lot more, like, fun energy. This one Quirky stuff rough. going on. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> rough. <laughs> if if you've made it all the way through this podcast and have not watched this episode, God don't bless. watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, skip this one. Uh, we'll tell you when the next good campaign one is. It sure as shit is not the real-time debate, but that's not until oh. next season, I think. <laughs> oh, I am not looking forward to it's fucking gonna covering be amazing. that episode. <laughs> Dude, we should, try, we should try and organize some sort of, like, live watch. We should reach out to BNR and Twitch, something awful yeah, do, and do, do a, like Twitch a Twitch with thing it. or something for the fucking... <laughs> and we can do it live as they do it live. Yeah, yeah fuck it. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh. Oh, that episode... Uh, so that'll be something to look forward to. But yeah, thanks as always for listening. Um, as you mentioned, you can drop comments in our threads on BNR or something awful. If you found the show another way, hi, hello, welcome. And if you want, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is always nice. And we'll be back next time to discuss the next episode of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, bye, everyone. Stay safe. Stay safe. all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me, 